This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. There's no one in the world who knows more about celebrity brand building and pop culture than today's guest, Vinny Potestivo. Vinny is an Emmy award-winning media brand advisor and personal strategist who has worked with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. Names like Mandy Moore, Beyonce, Ashley and Jessica Simpson, Nick Lachey, Sharon and Jack Osborne, P. Diddy, Wilmer Valderrama, Kristen Cavallari and Lauren Conrad, Daniel Fischel, Carmen Electra, Snoop Dogg, Andy Miller. Anakis, Aubrey O'Day, the list literally goes on and on. This man has worked with everybody as a television network talent exec at MTV for about 10 years from 1998 to 2007. Vinny pioneered the way that talent and artists claimed control of their narrative by making them hosts, stars, and even producers of their own hit series. So in a very real way, Vinny is the mind behind the invention and the explosion of celebrity TV programming and even reality TV. And we get into both of those topics and so many more in today's episode. And from a personal standpoint, not a lot of people know this about me, but I'm sort of a fanboy, like kind of on, on the DL. Uh, low key, like I'm obsessed with celebrity culture and specifically just the ascent to fame of some of the biggest musicians, artists, and actors and actresses in the world. And I've always just been fascinated about what drives success and what drives fame and fortune within pop culture and there is nobody that I would rather sit down and learn that from than today's guest Vinny Potestivo. So with that being said, we'll hop right into the conversation. You guys are really going to love this one. Uh, in the late 90s, uh, in the early 2000s, I, I worked at MTV and uh, uh, my boss Rod Asa created the talent development department in, in 99, moved to LA in 2000, met Sharon Osbourne, and then came up with the Osbournes, Newlyweds, Punked, uh, uh, Dave Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra, Till Death Do Us Part, Ashley Parker. I mean, I can go on and on and on about, about the, the way we got to work with modern storytellers who had to go through MTV, they had to pitch through television to get things seen because that was the only way to go live. That was the only way to reach people. And I was blessed to work at MTV, MTV2, at a time where people watched TV, like I, I think, I'm, like that's the thing I'm most lucky about was was youth culture was so dialed into television. There were there wasn't a million different social networks or or news platforms with different versions of reality. There were yeah. a couple of core networks, and then MTV was kind of like the rebel network. And, yes, and MTV News fed pop culture directly. It gave us words that we used. Um, I'll never forget punked the whole conversation there. Where do we put the apostrophe? And then they had the same conversation about while and out. They're like, where do we put the apostrophe? We put yes. words in the lexicon. That was cool. Pretty neat. Yes. I, I'm, I'm a nineties kid too. So yes. very much just grown up with that whole world, the explosion of, of celebrity coverage, you know, and MTV was a huge part of it. And even TMZ, you know, for the people that were, really in that world um so fascinating i mean and being you know an adolescent during that time for me you know watching how the backstreet boys and insane and britney spears and all of those people um uh, exploded onto the scene you know with tv and that was before the internet 
um, like what's your perspective on the way that sort of that that ascension um, from a from a actor or singer perspective has changed from those early days, so to speak? Oh, yeah. Uh, the speed, the speed in which you rise and this, unfortunately, the speed in which you fall, the speed in which you fall for sure has, has increased dramatically. Those high, the heights, I wouldn't even say the heights are necessarily higher. I think the, the depths, the lows are actually lower to be to really, really blunt. Um, I think that our attention span has changed. You know, we, yeah. we, we don't realize how much easier it was to remember an actor or a host or somebody when we were exposed to them every single week at the same time in, in a manageable way in the last, say, 10, 15 years where yeah. every company has the right to make content. You know, we're now where, where, where we used to say, well, what's your competition at MTV? And we, you'd think, oh, another network. Now everything is my competition. The ding, you know, the dinging is the every every distraction, every Walgreens is my competition. CVS, um, roller skates, babies, puppies, you know, these are the things that are 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 changing the rhythm that we used to have. That it takes to get comfortable to learn who a star, to learn and understand who a star is, and understand what their power is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, also. Uh, and then the way we discover talent has changed. Um, so, so when, so, so when I talk about discovering talent, uh, I'm not talking about exposure. I'm talking about the action that we take after exposure. It used to be on MTV. We would watch it. We'd go to school and talk about it. Yeah. Now, no photo, no proof. If you right. didn't, if you met them, then where's the photo? You know, uh, if you saw it, then you should have taken a screenshot of it and sent it to me. Yes. Um, and, and there's this, this idea of, of proof needing to be tied to discovery that if more people focus on creating better forms of proof, they would realize that it's actually easier to get discovered. So like, for example, my podcast, it's called, I have a podcast. Um, it's a relatively, it's a year old, uh, maybe a drop in the bucket. I don't know what a drop. I don't even know what a drop in the bucket means, but it doesn't sound like a lot. And that feels about the, the sound that I make from the core of my actual podcast episode compared to the energy that I create from having a podcast, I want to able to do on television and in real life from that podcast. Right. Um, so our, our, we have more options, you know, we have more ability to, to do more with less, to be really honest. And I think back then it was, you have mm -hmm. to do less to do more so that you can take this and, and, and do more to, to be able to have less time on air, to be able to talk to a live audience. You had to come out with an album if you wanted to be heard and seen about a specific platform that you cared about nowadays, you don't need that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the exposure that we all have, you know, access to, um, to, to voice our own opinions and to sometimes defend ourselves to stand up for ourselves, um, makes it, 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 it makes it a lot easier to, you know, connect with audiences in a more personal way that we didn't have before. And I think for celebrities, like through the lenses of media, you know, especially before the Twitters and the Instagrams of the world, like it's just changed that whole dynamic. And, you know, you're able to have your own channel literally yeah, and yeah. figuratively. Um, so how did you get started? Like actually working one-on-one <laughs> -on -one -on -one with, with some of these people and like back in those early days, who were some of the people that really allowed you to, to make your ascent? Oh, that's a, a great question. Um, it's funny. The first person that came to mind was Will I Am. Because of how you phrased the question, though, you said, so how did you work one-on-one -on -one with them? Um, do you know what the answer is? 
um, I was the person in the room. There are maybe three or four people that could have had the conversation that I had with Will I Am mm-hmm. the day that Will Am had an idea that he wanted to host his own show on MTV and that why should I just be in a three minute video when I can be in a 30 minute countdown? I was the guy in the room. I was a fly on the wall. Uh, I had every right to be there. Uh, a couple of people in my department or in, in at MTV pro- possibly also could have been there. Um, I was fascinated with the process. I love, I mean, you can imagine <laughs> like anybody would, I'm sure be fascinated to the process of celebrities coming in and, and seeing how they communicate, seeing yeah. the structure that they need to best communicate. And to be honest, I, it's so it's crazy to say this, but like, how did I get, how did I become the guy that did these one-on-ones in there? I was always in the, I was always in the room. I was never where I didn't need to be. I was always where I felt like I could actually add. And I stayed in that room. So I would go down to the studio, even though my job was not in the studio. My job was bring talent into the network. My idea was, well, we already have talent coming into the network. So why don't I just go downstairs? Right. I don't know. Let's see if we can drum up some relationships. And, and, and now Will, so Will wanted to host a show. And I, I said, look, I know who to call. I called my boss, called there's two Daves and a Tony that I had a call at MTV back in the day to just run it by them. And, and it was done. And literally 15 minutes later, I was like, let's, by the time you get back, Seth, to, to, to Will's manager, we'll have found a day next week if, if that's when Will's in town and we'll make it happen. And that was like literally what made me think, well, if Will went, Will I am is asking me if he could be a host on MTV. Imagine if I went around asking other artists if they want to be hosts on MTV, Mandy mm-hmm. Moore. Ashley Simpson, we tried Jessica Simpson, you know, reading a cue card is hard. <laughs> but what Jessica does so beautifully is just be herself, unapologetically, beautifully be herself, not the pop thing that we wanted her to be compared to Britney or the singer, like Whitney or Christina, or not the little girl like we saw in Mandy. Like she just didn't fit any of those molds. Yeah. What I think MTV did that no one else did, or no one else was willing to do was was instead of giving Jessica Simpson three minutes to make an impact on a song, we gave her 30 minutes to tell a story of, of what it's like to be in newlywed, young. Like, here we are, young. And now you're supposed to, like, what? You're supposed to know your way around the kitchen because you got married? Like, that's the role that, like, you you don't, <laughs> Jessica's, that, that's not her strength. That's exactly how I got chicken tuna of the sea. That's her, yeah. that's her saying, I am not a good cook, and I'm going to make sure people know how good I am, not... Yeah not owning the kitchen. <laughs> Actually, I have a question kind of going off of that. Sure. So what's what's your opinion on how reality TV has evolved over the last like decade or two? Um, and like with those types of shows where you had people like, like her sort of pioneering in a way um, that direct one-on-one relationship, would you categorize that as reality TV or has it just taken off and created a life of its own over the last few years? Um, yeah, I can agree. So, so yeah, it's reality. It happened. Uh, whether it was premeditated or not doesn't 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 make it not reality or not. Just yeah. because just because someone t- <laughs> imagine imagine if like uh, I'm your older brother, I'm like kick that can, and you kick the can and it breaks, and your mom's like, how could you kick it? And you're like, Vinny told me that's not. I don't. I wouldn't get in. I didn't kick it. You. But here, this weird <laughs> celebrity world, this reciprocity piece to it. That's it, kind of fun. Um. Uh. It. It was just a, it was a time for fortitude. I don't know. I saw an opportunity. There was a moment where 
where we can make a difference. And we did, we did what we did without, you know, and I think we were really careful about who we picked um, to do series with, you know, we worked with people who were already accustomed to being in the media. We yeah. saw there was an immediate response. The Laguna Beach kids, the, the Laguna Beach kids were the first time I'd worked with a reality cast where it was hard. Like after season, after episode one, I remember being in the room with the, my mom was in the room too. She turned to Steven and she's like, you didn't, why would you, why would you, why would you do that to <laughs> Lauren? Like, why would you do perfectly good? Really? I'm like, Ma, you need to not, we're just, just be happier here. I know you don't understand what's going on and, <laughs> and neither did I, but, um, you know, uh, reaction, you know, seeing yourself in real, that wasn't something that was offered back then. Um, now look, you asked the question, the way you asked the question in the last 10 years, I'm proud of where we're at in the last 10 years. There was about 10 years between 2007, 2017 that I, we can, you know, I don't know. I don't know if those are my heaven points. I don't know if that's going to get me into the, to the pearly gates. So I'm working on those points now. Uh, and I'm not saying I worked on anything, um, that discredited people or was rude or in any way, but where the intent became something that, that I didn't think that it was going to be. Um, I think that with reality TV now, there's a lot more pressure from the, 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 the companies that are creating them and, and the networks that are airing them to be more responsible. You're seeing it on Lifetime where we have adjudicated cases now with R. Kelly because they got behind a case and empowered a group of people that needed media to get this message heard by the government. Like now, like we're using cable for TV, you know, we're using TV to get in front of the you know, the government and we know it works by the way, on the flip side of that, I know it works because like, like, like with the housewives and what they claim they financially have. And then the government's these like, we know that we know we can make an impact in government with these types of shows. Now, uh, by the way, also obviously with political campaigns and figures as well. Um, and every new form of media has always been that way. Right. So, so like, you know, Reagan was uh, a film actor, uh, George W. Bush was the first president to release the presidential address on the on an actual podcast. So, like, so the government's been leaning on new media as a way to connect with us forever. It's this creative communication that's got me really excited, where we're now able to 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 connect with each other with with more than just words, but with emotion, mm -hmm. like with real storytelling, and, and and that's where I'm proud of what a lot of the networks are doing in terms of taking control over the narrative. I mentioned his name earlier, Rod Asa, my mentor at MTV that I worked for for 10 years. He's the man that went to Oxygen uh, at a time where the Bad Girls Club was their number one show and helped transition Oxygen into the true crime network that it is today. And he saw the opportunity where, where Discovery was killing it, you know, where ID Discovery, was kill, Discovery ID was killing it in true crime. He saw an opportunity to not focus on the crime, but focus on the humanity, not focus on how did it get done, but why are we even, yes. how is this even a pot? Why are we talking? What is, and, and he saw that opportunity. So, so, so I'm proud of, of where we've taken it. Um, networks are more responsible. I remember seeing Jersey Shore trailer for the first time in MTV in 2008. And I remember thinking to myself, oh man, they show, like, I don't know if you remember this, the very first glimpse we ever saw of anything Jersey Shore related was a 15 second clip of Snooki getting punched at a club. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, like that's what we air now. 
And I remember people being like, Andy Milanakis, that's what we air now. And, and right. like uh, Johnny Knoxville, that's what we air now. <laughs> Reality TV, that. And, and I realized at MTV, you know, I, I watched MTV when MTV took the cameras and put it on celebrity. That's where we got to see celebrity. Yeah. When I got to MTV, the audience mattered. MTV shifted from opened up the parameter, the gate of the audience of, of the lens to include the, the, the artist and the audience TRL, right? Hot zone, direct effect, yo MTV raps. It was access. It was artist and us. When I got to MTV, I was like, well, let's just give them the cameras, hmm. give the Osbournes a camera, give the, the Simpsons a camera, give run, run, you know, Simmons a, a camera, family programming. This is awesome. We trust them. And then when I left MTV, they were like, well, let's give it to the kids. <laughs> Give the cameras to the Laguna Beach kids and the Jersey Shore kids and and the teen moms. And it was really interesting to see how how MTV has has really empowered storytelling from that perspective, right? From the from from shifting the power from being a platform of storytellers to you are the storyteller exactly. on our platform. And that was cool to be a part of. And there's also another nuance there that I think the that I think television, but but especially social media and the internet allowed, which was the reversal of it, whereas before that you had celebrities who then gained access and outlets to share, but they were already they had already come into their celebrity versus now with the the you know the teen moms and the real worlds and the bachelorettes and I know that's not MTV, but you get my point with allowing those unknowns to then create a platform and step into a position of authority and reach. And that's been really, really fascinating to see for me. Um, I do want to, I want to switch gears a little bit. And I want to sure. dive into some of the, the individuals that you've worked with. So um, two part question, have you ever okay. been starstruck? And <laughs> tell us the craziest story that you've had working with somebody of uh, prominence in, in your field. Oh, cool. All right. All right. So just so I don't forget Bernadette Peters and Whitney Houston. All right, here's the story. <laughs> Do you know who Bernadette Peters is, by the way? I don't. She's a really, she's not an MTV artist. She's like a legend in the musical theater world. There, It's the craziest thing, actually. She was in a Broadway show and uh, with Tom Wopat, who was one of the original Dukes of Hazards. I was working on a show called The Tom Green Show in like 1999. Our, the celebrity dropped out. They needed someone to sit in a seat. And I had this idea that because this Broadway show was next door and it was a Saturday, we were recording that there'd be an intermission. We can knock on the door and see if Tom Wolfat, by the way, I loved Tom Wolfat. I loved Dukes of Hazard was like a big show for me to jump into the car, just the good old boys. Ultimately, it's what really propelled Jessica to the next level. Um, but I found out Bernadette Peters was in the studio audience. I really got starstruck. It was, it's so weird because I've worked with big, big relevant artists that have major impact, but she just had a, a big, a big impact. And my upbringing made me want to be a Broadway producer. And I happened to be in the studio with Ahmet Zappa, uh, Frank Zappa's son, uh, Ahmet Zappa, who most people just know also as just Ahmet Zappa. He's an actor and a musician. And uh, uh, and he was hosting a show for us called Web, Web Riot there. And I, I didn't, I have to be honest, I, I didn't know I was going to work at MTV. If I knew I was going to work at MTV as a kid, maybe I would have uh, paid attention to like, you know who famous artists are and stuff like that, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't know Frank Zappa was a, a legendary guitarist, and I had no clue who Dweezil Zappa was. And 
she's got a very high pitched voice and it was just it was an awesome moment. Oh, she she has this really oh almost like Sharon Osborne. Yeah, it's Frankie, it's Frankie's son, it's great to see you. And it was just these moments that you can't you can't forget. And also I was dumbstruck when I met Sandra Bullitt. Wow. Um but there was a moment with Whitney Houston that changed my life, that changed my career and the, tra- 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 the trajectory of everything I've ever done. Um, it was the first day I ever met anyone at MTV. It was Spank New Music Week, September, I think, or October 98. Um, and I went up to Times Square because I knew they were recording Spank New Music Week. And there was a casting notice that said, meet this casting director. So I went and met the casting director. And he said, hey, would you, you know, cool. Would you like to ask a question to Whitney? And my question was, what was it like recording uh, with uh, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack? What was it like recording the Prince of Egypt soundtrack with Mariah Carey? What was it like recording with another, you know, recording artist? This was my big break. And I practiced the producers practice. Ananda Lewis, who was the VJ, came over to me and I was so nervous and I'm sweating and she really helped me phrase it. I was excited. And then Whitney comes out, the Stage managers come together and I see them with the cards and they, sh- they walk her through the segment. I know what this looks like. I know, I know creatives need their space to shine. So I'm like watching how it all works and they, they point to me and I get a hot flash and you go, he's going to ask you well, what it's like, you know, recording with another major. And she goes, I'm not answering that question. What? I'm not answering that question. No, let's do something different. And I was like, what? <laughs> No, no, my dreams. Like, this was my moment. And I and everyone was like, oh, we're so sorry. It didn't work out. I said, no, hey, thank you for the experience. If you ever need more dancers, models, actors, if there's anything I can do to bring people into this experience, let me know. And they were like, hmm, actually, tomorrow we're shooting a very Busta Christmas special with Busta Rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, if we need about 20 people to sit in the studio audience. And Mariah... I mean, and Whitney is shooting It's Not Right, But It's Okay in two weeks. So if you have a couple of females that we could use to round out the casting in that video, then, you know, that would be appreciated. I went back to school and I came up with a list of people and I sent it in. They said yes. And then they got cast. And next time around, I was like, I know I need to get paid for this. I need at least $50 <laughs> to, to, to do my dream job. Um and the weirdest thing, right, is that we we look for ways to get paid to do the thing we love most. And I, I strongly recommend doing that for the first 20, 25 years of your life, if possible. It makes you more accountable. It shows you up. It's super sustainable to do what you love doing and get paid for it. And then you get to a point where you no longer want to be paid, gated to do the thing you love doing the most by letting only doing it when someone pays you to do it. Right. And I'm not saying that I'm not getting paid enough or frequently enough, but I don't want people to have that control over yes. what I do. You know, like the the part where I get to call up someone and say, hey, when's the last time you were in the studio? I'm just curious because wouldn't it be fun if you had like a single? And Christina Millian's Christina Millian, she's like, are you trying to get me back in the studio? And I'm like, well, I'm just saying, I know you're like, hitched to a man who has lots of equipment. He's like a producer and like, I know you got it in France. So I know just because you're not here in America, doesn't mean you can't be in the studio and you write big songs for Justin Bieber and Jennifer Lopez. Like you, so write, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Or, or getting on my podcast and, and getting to reconnect with Mandy Moore mm. and talking about the creative process and realizing that as this is us is coming to an end, those opportunities are starting to get, you know, we can now count them on our, on our hands mm-hmm. is, is now the time to pull the trigger to try directing. Like you've literally, I've seen her sell shows. I've seen her host shows. I've seen her make shows. I've never seen her direct. I love that. I love Mandy Moore and the idea yeah. of her being on the headset 
calling shots. Imagine like the kindest person on earth being a co- creative collaborator <laughs> with you. It's literally how I think of her. It's the most for sure. Just warm feelings, you know. It's yeah. so encouraging and yeah. wholesome and yes, um, rewarding. And uh, and I wouldn't have gotten to ha- to do that if I gated my skill to help talent develop and find new ways to be awesome and stand out and just add to the energy that you know is you. Um, but I get to do it with podcasting, so I'm I'm never going to go back to letting people pay me to do what I do love. What yeah. I love to do most. That's now I've got the independent freedom and I own my own podcast, but I don't own any of the TV shows that I've talked about. Nick Cannon don't own his show. Sharon Osborne don't own her show. Like this don't, it don't work like that, but now it does. Yeah. And that's why it's important. That's why I'm fully leaned into SMB owners, entrepreneurs, journalists, uh, solopreneurs, people who identify as brands to be creative. I like helping them find success earlier in the career so that in their experience, so that they don't have to go through the hardships. You don't, you don't have to struggle just because we used to have to struggle to get into an industry that was so heavily gated. This iPhone and Android device that just broke the gates down. So like <laughs> we're yes. all, it just leveled out. You know, I got, I took a step away from casting when I realized there are hundreds of people who are qualified to do what I now what I do what or was doing for 20 years because now they have access to people through technology. Yeah. And, and some of those people are people that I got to work with in the beginning of their career. So it's super rewarding to step back and make space for them. Do you think that there is a such thing as bad publicity in today's, you know, always on digital world? And then second part of that question with the big, crazy stunts or like, perceived like explosions with celebs are those planned or are those often unplanned and then you have to go into like reactive pr mode afterwards um well i want to know what kind of stuff well to answer the first part of the question well stunt i don't know what kind of stunts what kind of what what, like what's an example uh i remember when who was it think back i think i remember when no, I know that wasn't. I was thinking about when Chris Brown um, went and like punched the glass after his interview with, I think it was like Good Morning America or something. Oh, right. I know that wasn't planned, but like right, right. other things were like Britney shaved her head and those sorts of things. Right. Um, look, so <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Do I think there's they're calculated? Yeah. Um, unconsciously or consciously sometimes. I don't think Britney went out and ha- uh, I, I, I'm it's weird. I, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> this is funny. I, I don't know if, I, uh, I don't know if I want to, I know I'm not saying what I think is happening to Brittany having, I never was close to Brittany. She was always someone as an artist that her team didn't let us get close to. It was actually kind of a, uh, an on a running joke at MTV that like I had more access to NSYNC. I can get Joey and Lance and, and, and I can get those guys in to host SNL. I mean, SNL, I said TRL and, and to host shows. But with Britney, there was, there was, I never had access. I could never penetrate that. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think that what she did with shaving the head was premeditated, but I do think it was unconscious. And I do think that that, that the people around her knew she was capable of doing it. And that's, that's why they didn't, um, that's why they tried to minimize her actions the way that they went about doing it, to be honest. Ugh, yeah. This is weird. This is kind of hard to talk about, but because yeah. of how, like, and then I look at what we did with Mandy Moore, two young women, uh, this is weird talking about as a, as a 40 year old guy, but I have to be honest because I'm, I'm a, I'm a 19 year old 
kid at this yeah. stage in time in music. And what I'm seeing yeah. is I don't have access to the now the access I had to Britney, it's weird. It was through Wade Robson, which also got really weird when that Wade Robson Justin Timberlake thing happened in, in pop culture and there was si suddenly sides. Um but yo, I'll I'll say this though, but <laughs> As someone, I am not responsible for punking, punking Justin on the first episode of Punked. I didn't love how uh, what we now refer to as Nipplegate at MTV with the Janet Jackson incident in the Super Bowl. I don't appreciate how that was handled from him or his team. Um, and also, I uh, with Wade Robson, I, I did. I was a champion of Wade and did get the Wade Robson uh, Dance Project greenlit and got to bring Wade, who I was so excited to work with um, as a creator. And even now that we understand his relationship with Michael Jackson and, and what he went through now that his documentary has been out, and it makes me even, that's where I was kind of in my head about a second ago. It makes me even more emotional that I just, I, I, I was at this, this like volatile industry where, by the way, there's definitely a thing as bad PR. I see bad PR is, I mean, like Ashley Simpson PR that came out of, uh, out of SNL the, the night that she flubbed a simple music cue killed that show. Mm -hmm. We had ads, you know, advertisers pull out. I just, I saw things happen. So yeah, bad press is bad. I mean, I've seen people, I've had, I've had been part of conversations at MTV where I was like, this unfortunately is the end because of X, Y, Z, whether, whether it, it, it is or not, we have to stop this relationship and now have create the space to address some of the issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and some, some artists, you know, and some people, some people are not, are negative, are naturally innately negative. Some people are attracted to discord and, and, and chaos because that's what makes them feel equal. And that's what makes them feel sort of sane or and if everything else around them is crazy, then, then it can't possibly be them. And, and maybe that was like the, the 10 to 15 years ago on reality TV that I was alluding to that I think uh, most networks now have addressed. Yeah, for sure. And then on the flip, flip side of that, in terms of positive uh, brand building, um, what are some of the, the hacks or the strategies that a lot of these celebs are using, but that they might not necessarily want others to know about or the, that the public just isn't aware is happening behind the scenes? Oh yeah, that's interesting. So like, oh, you're saying so like, do do celebrities have babies, for example, to become sort of seen as more maternal brands? And um, I think some celebrities leverage new opportunities in their life in unique ways. Um, Scarlett Johansson is a guarded actor um, and a revered actor, and also has a skincare line, and is also is also married to the frontman of comedy for SNL. Um, access points to her could be difficult because there are so many different uh, ways that you can engage, you know, with her brand. So having a consistent, streamlined, and active approach to creating her personal brand has been something I know she's had. A, I've seen her working on that. Where in the past she would kind of be interviewed and attached to a film and kind of slowly go away. Mandy Moore, similar. Like they they're cool to be interviewed, but also they're not the ones that are necessarily going out to Hollywood. They don't want to be seen at parties. They don't, yeah. They're not in it for that that level, that that part of the industry. They're in it more so they can make impact right. in places. And yeah. um, I think that, that that celebrities have gotten really smart about what press, what, what press, what print and press will run. 
So, and like, you know, like even, even photos, you know, even calling, you know, there's lots of celebrities that will call a TMZ reporter and say they're at a certain place. So they get photos that are run. Um, those are dropped mm. often. Some people don't realize that that's something. Um, here's something weird to bring up that every person who's ever won a, an award, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, whatever award it is, uh, somebody had to pay a nomination fee for that person to be nominated, to be considered. It's like okay. there's no one going around handing out Oscars and Grammys. To, it's not like, hey, Beyonce, you, congratulations on coming out with an album. You qualify for seven Grammys this year. Oh, no, wow. she, she looks at every single category, picks all the pays every single producer head that's attached to the submission, and then submits that category and that, that project to the category so maybe like looking at um oscars we understand sometimes how certain actors were like well why is george clooney in like the supporting actor like thing yeah. isn't he like a leading actor and you're like well maybe the strategy is if george clooney is in the supporting actor category for comedy does he stand out more than being in the leading actor category for drama where we expect him to be and that nuance yeah that's a big th- Having a say in where you get discovered, right? Uh, Michael Bublé went out of his way to have a Disney Christmas music special because he knew that his music and Christmas were like this. And if he could break through that market and he could become a household moment on that holiday, and then, by the way, in my real opinion, I think that's exactly what happened. And Mariah finally realized she'd been sitting on this opportunity for years (laughs) without realizing the power that that song had culturally through so many different communities, which is, or maybe something happened with that song where culturally it became more relevant to more of us, but so, something about that song became magical. And, yeah. and she leans into, she's, I think she's even applying for like queen of Christmas or like she's like leaning into it. That it's so cool to think that Mariah Carey, the, 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 the artist that I looked at butterflies and the sex symbol and like as a boy, you know, on my, she's on my wall and I'm, an artist that I, I I love and I'm, I'm watching that an artist like that could take a step back and be like, you know what? I have a really strong brand. Celebrities work hard on looking sexy. How do they look sexy? I don't know. They win. How about you win awards? How about you win people's sexiest awards? People's sexiest. You want to know how, how oh, it's great. <laughs> Maybe bad timing for Adam Levine to bring his name up <laughs> in this podcast that he's going through. But like that dude went out of his way to be identified as being sexy. He does it in his communication, obviously, as we're all seeing, disgusting. But he went out of his way publicly to be a, to be acknowledged yeah. as the sexiest. And and yeah. and awards are a way that celebrities stand out. Right. We Fact. could do that. Um, uh, how about uh, most eligible bachelor or thirty under thirty? I can give you lists of awards that we've come up with to stand out, and that's that's a, like a little page that I think we can take out of their out of their playbook. They also have a tremendous, this is kind of an interesting and weird thing to say. Celebrities, <laughs> I've seen it happen and I'm not, I'm not in that group. So I used to like watching it. Like when I'm like, got my press badge, crew badge, and all the talents on that side, they have this, this kind of like respect thing where it's like, we don't know each other, but we're also, but we understand we're in the public light and we understand we're in a, in a position where we're meant to collaborate. And there's a more, there's a more open collaborative environment so you, i i always thought it was like do you, i'd be out with somebody and i'd be like oh do you actually do you know that do you, they just like someone came over and said hi did you know them she's like no but like they know so and so that i did a movie with and it, it all kind of made sense and i thought that was really neat like 
yeah. how supportive it was. And it, and it made me yeah. think about how can I show up as a podcaster now, right? Like I knew how I was as a producer, supportive, and I brought all the yeah. opportunity with me. So I made sure that as a podcaster, whether I'm a host or a guest, that I'm always bringing opportunity with me. And, and, totally. and, that, and that also that you will forever be part of the alchemy of what I create, like that you will change yeah. my output. I take that pretty seriously too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to ask something kind of going off of what you alluded to, going back to the whole nominations and the award yeah. thing. And I want you to take this wherever you want. Um, how is money viewed in your eyes by the top celebs in the industry? Like, have you seen people selling out for fame and fortune that you didn't necessarily think would, or is that just how, is that perception, you know, maybe wrong among the public of sort of how celebs are, you know, potentially or not doing those sorts of things? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think there might be three answers to this. I'm sorry. Um, here are my three answers. One is that in terms of money, I think that without money, you can't sustain your message. So there are some celebrities that are out there, Mandy Moore, Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon. I can come up with like a list of, 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 of geo or politically active or socially active people who I know are working hard and then take those proceeds and put it into a place where change can happen. Yeah. So you, if you don't have money, you can't sustain your message. So if you want to change our rights and you do, you think the best way for you to do it is by being a star, because by being a star, you're given an opportunity to have a unique voice that can make an impact. I fully get you. And I know exactly how to help you support you. On the other hand, there are celebrities that are looking to maybe grow media. So they care about the film. They care about the, the quality of content more so than the message that comes by being a human. There's a, an artistic piece that's drawn to them where box office numbers matter mm -hmm. or bottom line matters. There's like a real business draw to it. So, so sometimes in, in my conversations, when I, when I say, when people say, I want to make money from my podcast. I, I never know if they mean from the file, like, are we talking about the file? Like, are we talking about like licensing and advertising against content? Or are we talking about, about the spinoff part, which is like your brand, that your brand needs to have offerings and what, what, what better offerings could we do to monetize the fact that you were in this movie? So, so I learned that by the way, with all those, I'm, yeah, Beyonce would be in Carmen, the hip opera, and then come out with an album to support. You know, there, there, and I watched her do it year after year after year. You know, being film supported in music. Being, that's that's the that's the sort of cycle. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, uh, I guess I to take it back to without money, you can't sustain the message. And sometimes that's not. You know, sometimes that message is fame and ego and. That's unfortunate where that's usually doesn't end not financially well, at least, um, yeah. is a big part of it's, it, it. I think it happens in every industry finance. Yeah. I can think of, I can think of so many industries where, where the, the money is, is, is corrupt. And yeah. you know what? I got to say it this way. If you're making corrupt money, then your, your product will be corrupt. If you're having fun making content, then your content will always be fun to watch and, and yeah. I really, I really truly believe on that. In, in yeah. that, if if you want to make better content, if you want to have a better experience with you know better results, then have more fun making your content. It's weird to say. So many people focus on, you know, oh, how do I make it better, better, better on the on the tail end? That's yeah. not that's not where you make make it better. Actually, it's 
It's in the alchemy of the product, the constructs of the product that matters most. I love that. The alchemy of the creation of the thing, yeah. not, not the perception of it. Yeah. Um, well, the perception is reality and it's going to yeah. change based on who sees it. This is why social media matters and why television mattered a lot back then, because the perception is reality. If I have the entire world watching the Osbournes at the same time, guess what happens to the Osbournes? Everyone's perception of the Osbournes in real time is in sync. Now opportunities can happen because businesses, Coca-Cola sees that that this audience is responding to the now now the contracts come that's what yep. hap that's what happens not when you make decisions to change your life or reality but when you actually show people when you give them the opportunity to hear it listen see it and then share it again it goes back yeah. to share the most important action you could take in discovery i want to i want to move into a quick a quick segment uh to sort of round round us out here cool. um quick rapid fire so Give us your just one to two sentence uh, okay. takeaway, biggest takeaway from your work with the following people. All right. Okay. So we'll start off. Mandy Moore. Be on time. Be on time and be early. Always. Nice. Love it. Uh, Ashton Kutcher. Um, always be listening and absorbing and and taking and taking taking what we're hearing and putting it into action immediately. Not tomorrow, not a year later, not let's dwell on it, not let's let's overthink it. But if if we're in the if we're if we're creating content for the zeitgeist and a word is thrown out there, roll with it, go with it, and uh, speak to people in their language. Jessica Simpson. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jessica. Oh my gosh, I love her. Uh, people don't know what they want until they see it, and and she's she's billion dollar proof. That we were wrong. Our opinions were wrong about her in the beginning. She's not this. She's not that. She's to this. She's blah, blah, blah. She is, look at how relatable she ultimately ended up being because, because we gave her the space to do it. And again, people don't know. People don't know who you are and what you're capable of until you show them. And, and that's a, sometimes it takes a really unique path. You know, she had a lot of hit songs, but it was that reality show that helped people, you know, really understand who she was and see her be, see her shine. Beyonce. Oh yeah. Oh, good one. Um, uh, focus. I got to work with Beyonce. Uh, I got it was so cool. Um, I was like the casting assistant in the room when she auditioned for Carmen, the hip opera. Uh, Robert Townsend, the director. I was more impressed with Robert. I was like, Beyonce, me, Beyonce, and Robert in the room, and I'm freaking out, starstruck over Robert Townsend, the director. And they did the scene, they did the little sides, you know, actors have sides, they read the script. And I just trying to impress Robert. I stepped, stood back, got my camera, I was trying to be cin cinematographer, Vinny. And Robert took my hand and went six inches to Beyonce's face. And I was like, I know she can act. I just want to see her eyes. All I want to see on this video are nothing outside of her eyes. All I care about is what her eyes look like when they're focused. And he told me instead of telling her. And I was like, oh, he could have told her. What a, what a unique way to give a note. And I realized the genius in that was how to con connect with and collaborate with people, how to get what you want without having to ask for it. And, and that was a, that's a lesson I learned from Robert. And with Beyonce, it was, it, without a doubt, it, it's focusing. Okay. It's when the world is grabbing at you in a billion different directions, you would think, how could someone like Beyonce, how could she yeah. focus? I saw, I saw it happen with my own two eyes. <laughs> Life-changing. It was. Uh, just a couple more here. Uh, Lindsay Lohan. Uh, have fun. <laughs> don't don't invite mom everywhere. <laughs> uh, Tyrese. 
Oh, uh, that, uh, it's Tyrese. Tyrese taught me to have fun at work. Tyrese is a big kid. Uh, he's really uh, going through a hard time right now, uh, but, but hyper respectful and, 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 and how do I say this? Capable of making mistakes, but it also is, it stands there in that mistakes and makes it right and learn and learns from those mistakes too. But he, he has to, you know, he's the kind of guy that he has to burn his hand to find out the oven was hot. I, he had he has to lose the jewel. You know, he had to lose a necklace. Uh, anyway, long story short, but yeah, just, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the moral of that story. <laughs> uh, Jerry Springer. Oh, Jerry Springer, Springer Break. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, if you do something and you do it uniquely the way that you have fun doing it, other people will find ways to work with you. Beautiful. And then last one, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Collaborate. Collaborate with the most unsuspecting person in the room. Okay. It's about if you have an audience, then build a community. If yes. you have an audience, don't try to build a bigger audience. Leverage that audience with someone else's and build a community. Yeah, such a great takeaway and a good one to end on too. Um, Vinny, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, let people know where they can go to learn more about you and to to connect with you. Oh, thanks. Uh, my website is vpe.tv, five letters, v, Victor Paul Edward, Vinny Padestivo Entertainment. Uh, TV. That's where I have my creator hub, my inner circle for creators where you can find uh, 99 plus awards worthy of winning. Uh, I think as of right now, over 50 um, influencer creator marketing platforms that pay uh, ways that podcasters can be getting credit on IMDb. I have a list of resources for you. So please lean on me and use it and then say, hi, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Vinny Padestivo on LinkedIn. It starts with a hello and I, I just appreciate the space. 100%. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Really appreciate you tapping in. FYI, my new book, Content Capitalist, is launching end of March. I'm super excited to put this out into the world. I've been heads down the past six months writing and refining the book. If you'd like to register for updates and be added to my VIP waitlist, go to michaelbecker.org backslash content capitalist book. Can't wait to share what I've been cooking up with you guys. See you in the next episode.